Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Mina Dupin is the author of Mom Rage, The Everyday Crisis of Modern Motherhood. This episode was guest hosted by Julie Chavez, author of Everyone But Myself, forthcoming from Zippy Books, and host of Ask a Librarian, the podcast. Mina Dubin is, as I said, the author of Mom Rage. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Salon, Parents, the Philadelphia Inquirer, Romper, The Forward, Hobart, 
Mother Magazine, M-U-T-H-A, and Literary Mama. She is the recipient of an Artist Enrichment Grant from the Kentucky Foundation for Women. As a leading feminist voice on Mom Rage, Mina has appeared on MSNBC, Good Morning America, The Tamron Hall Show, NBC10 Boston, and NPR. She lives in Berkeley, California with her husband, two kids, and no pets because enough is enough. Mina, thanks so much for being here today. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm thrilled that you're here, and I'm so glad we get to talk about your book, Mom Rage, The Everyday Crisis of Modern Motherhood. It is so impressive. I want to dive right into it. Will you talk about, I mean, first of all, as a mom, the title, I was like, Mom Rage, yep, check, can identify. But I want to talk about how how this process started for you. Tell the listeners, how did you decide to write this book? What was its origin point? Before I was writing this book, I was writing another book <laughs> that has never seen the light of day. Oh. But one of the things that was part of this book was an essay that was published in the New York Times in 2019 called The Rage Mothers Don't Talk About. Mm-hmm. And the response to that essay was so humongous from moms from around the world. I just got my inbox just got just blasted by emails from mothers basically saying, me too, I didn't know this was a thing, I'm so grateful that maybe I'm not the worst mother in the world. Mm. And those emails basically set me on a path of looking into this idea of mom rage and thinking that maybe it wasn't also that I was the worst mother in the world. Like me and the moms were sort of having a feedback loop. Like if we're all feeling it, maybe it's a societal thing and not a personal problem. Yes. And so that sort of led me on this path. And then the pandemic, as we know, happened and mom rage kind of skyrocketed. And I got more emails all of a sudden. And I realized that the pandemic was increasing mother's feelings of rage. The New York Times republished that first essay. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a second piece called I'm Going to Physically Explode Mom Rage in a Pandemic. Anyway, both pieces went viral and I got a book contract, basically, (laughs) to write about this topic, so I did. (laughs) Not a bad way to go about getting the book deal. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) No, but what's fantastic, I mean, I say that jokingly, but what is actually incredible about that is that you struck such a powerful nerve that there would be that kind of response and that so many people, especially moms, could feel seen and understood in that. I mean, what a gift. What was that emotionally like for you when you were describing just the outpouring of emails? What was that experience like, sort of the absorption of that response? It was a mix. I mean, I think as a writer, you know, you're it's so, it's so like in the dark, like you write with so much faith that like spending my time in my room, like hunched over my computer is, is worth it. Like this is all worth something. And there's not many times in life as a writer, I think that you get such a response to your work. Mm -hmm. And so like on that level, it was just super thrilling for me that like people cared about what I had to say. Like that felt really exciting and like was like nice for my ego, you know? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And then I think it felt like, it felt like I was buzzing when I was getting all that response. Like I felt like I had hit on something really important Mm. that I hadn't realized. I didn't know that like, that this was this like undercurrent that was happening in all across the world, actually, 
And I felt very excited that I was onto something, you know? Yes. I felt like a scientist. (laughs) That makes total sense. You had sort of a discovery moment of, you know, find this little zeitgeist of, that that makes complete sense to me. I think I'd feel the same way. Me too. This is great news. Yeah. I want to talk about, okay, so it turns into a book, which makes complete sense, right? Like you had written, because I think, I was listening to something recently about, you know, how do you know when you have a book and not just a couple of essays? So obviously this was a natural build for you off of the response that you had seen. So let's kind of dive in. How do you define rage? How would you define it for this book? Yeah. I mean, people get confused between rage and anger and they can they can look similar, but yes. the the difference between rage and anger is basically that there is a loss of control. With rage, it feels like it is happening to you. Mm. And like, you're like sort of under its spell. Like you almost like, even if you're like, oh, I'm, this is happening and I don't, and I know it shouldn't happen, but there's no stopping it now. Like it almost feels like you are not in control of what's happening. That makes sense. And I do, I can see how that, you know, we use a lot of terms especially among mothers, right? Like I'm losing my mind today. I'm doing these things. And they really do have that echo of this out-of-body experience to it where it's like, I'm just not, I'm not in my right mind. And so it sounds like it relates a little bit to that for you. I think one of the things you did really well in this book, there was a lot to think about here. I really appreciated it. And I know before we started recording, we were discussing that I have a book that's very much about motherhood and mental health. And I think the self-neglect that is so common and pervasive and expected really yeah. within our society. And so the the rage, not only in response to that, but I think one of the things you did so well in your book that I appreciated was talking about the layers around rage and the other sort of emotions that are in there. Like you talked a lot about shame and sort of the misunderstandings around rage and all those things. What will you talk a little bit about rage and unworthiness? Because that was one that was one of the most interesting pieces to me. I thought, oh, I want to come back and read that again. Yeah, I definitely experienced that and, and struggle like on my own with self hatred. And in the book, I tell the story of having a therapist who I had her just for a little while and she was like, I want to talk. I was like, I need to talk. We need to fix the rage. And she was like, we need to talk about how you treat yourself because they're related. therapists, man. They really just get in there, don't they? (laughs) Golly, we pay them. (laughs) They do. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for me, it felt, it feels like there's a connection between perfectionism and like rigidity of like things needing to be perfect and like a lack of flexibility that I have with myself and the way that that also extends out to the people that I love even though I absolutely don't want it to. And so like when things aren't happening the way like I want them to happen, like I can get kind of intense about it. And I think living that life with like, you know, low level anxiety and perfectionism and like not feeling great about myself, like it kind of frays you in a way that I think that it's like a faster route to fury Mm. when you're experiencing all those things at once. Yeah, I don't know how to better explain it than that. You explained it perfectly. That makes complete sense to me. Also, because as you say, perfectionist, I'm like, let me just raise my hand here. People who get intense when it's not going their way, that's me. Yeah. I think 
what you're saying too is it really does it's like there's just a crack in it you know because we're so attached especially for those of us who like things a certain way we are attached to it going that way so yeah it's like we have a shorter fuse yeah so it doesn't take as much and it also feels important to like do the societal overlay of like women are taught to be perfectionists and mothers in particular, like there's so much pressure on mothers to be, you know, quote unquote, perfect mothers. And like part of the perfectionism of motherhood is the self erasure of yourself, like mm-hmm. not really being an entity and not having needs. And so like, it's all related. It's not just like, I feel like with this book, I'm always trying to be like, this is the personal story and this is not a character flaw. That is such a freeing message that I feel like every mom needs to hear, regardless of whether, you know, you've felt like you've gotten fully to kind of a point of rage or if you're more feeling angry. I think it's such an important thing to note that the system is not set up for us to succeed. Right. And that's something you do very well here. And I'm going to jump ahead. This was a later question. Like I put them in order. I really don't. That makes me sound far more organized than I am with these interviews. (laughs) Or perfectionist. No, just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll pretend like actually one of my friends recently said, you're a type A, but you masquerade as a type B. And I was like, Uh uh okay, um, I think you might be right. And let's not ever talk about that again. (laughs) (laughs) But how do you combat discouragement about the systemic inequities and failures that make conditions for motherhood so impossible. Because that's something I keep running up against is I am finding myself, especially in this midlife season, I just am more pissed about the deal that we were handed and that we signed off on without knowing. And so that part, how do you personally deal with that? And kind of what are your attempts around that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's twofold. I think part of it is just around building my own community and my friends and just like feeling like I have outlets and people Mm -hmm. to like, to connect around it to. I want to be like to bitch to basically, (laughs) but like, because that feels freeing. And then it's like a way for moms to connect. And then also like, just in terms of hope, because I do think that there's a lot of hope. Like, I don't think that these conversations were happening. Like, I feel like there is a wave right now of specifically around like a feminist outlook about motherhood and including motherhood in the, in the feminist fight in a way that I don't think motherhood has been included in it in a very long time and possibly not ever in this way. And I feel like the conversation around motherhood is very different and it is exciting and, and part of me, like, feels like, oh, maybe it's just my bubble. Like, you know, I get worried. Like, maybe it's just my Instagram bubble. And so all the people I talk, all the people I follow are, like, these feminist mom writers talking about these feminist mom things. But then it's like, well, Elizabeth Warren was talking about, you know, universal child care. And I don't know. I think that I feel like the platform is growing. And I feel hopeful that, that we're going to have paid parental leave at some point in the not too distant future. And oh. I know that I know that's just a tiny piece of what we need, but like I'm going to celebrate when that happens, you know. Absolutely. Well, because if we see it as you're right, there is it does feel like there is a tide of conversations that are happening and people that are talking about it more. And you're right. I listened to Joe Piazza's podcast. This was from a little bit ago, but under the influence. And she talked Mm -hmm. about the mom influencer community. But one of the things she was talking about was that in the nineties, especially there was such a push to mom harder and that that was really that time. And I know you mentioned, you know, into the 2010s where it was 
helicopter parenting and now we have snowplow parenting or whatever the new one is. But I do see, you're exactly right, a little bit more of a pushback and maybe a pause between the the ask and the response. So, you know, things that were expected of me even, and then I have to stop and say, Ooh, do I need to do that? Is that something I want to do? Is this something that's appropriate for me to do? So you're right. I shouldn't be so cynical and hopeless when it comes to it. I just have these moments of like, this is never going to (laughs) work. Yeah. And it's like, it's a constant personal battle too, in terms of just like that pressure that you're talking about of momming harder and being yep. like, oh, I'm going to take my kids down to the, down to this, down to the marina because it's 85 degrees tonight and we're hot and we're going to go down there. And then I can sit on the rock and just watch them play. Like they can just play with each other. And then, you know, I have this moment where I'm like, should I be like out there doing the thing or can I just let them like play with each other? You know, like that's that moment of like, Am I going to be in the intensive mothering and do the like, okay, I'm in it. I'm on the floor. We're doing the thing. We are playing all of us, you know? <laughs> I love like, that I emphasis. Back and like, let them play with each other. That's why I had a second kid so they could be friends, you know? Oh, 1 million percent. Yeah. Yes. You know, that's such a good question. And oh my gosh, I'm listening to you and I'm like, yep, that was me. I still think I somewhat ruined my first child. I tell him often, I'm like, sorry, I probably did that to you. But I think I was in his business way too much. Like, yeah, I should have just let the poor kid just hang out, you know? So some of these influences, but he's not ruined. Luckily, he's fine. We don't need to worry about him right now. But <laughs> I love thinking about those sorts of questions and what a gift that hopefully in the season of life that you and I are in that we can give to the moms who are coming up behind us to say, Hey, you can, you can be a wonderful present mother and it doesn't have to look like that because that feels like just setting them up for failure. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you look back at kind of the beginning of your own journey to get to the other side of where you weren't feeling that rage, that out of control feeling, what was the point for you personally, you know, prior to therapy where you thought, okay, I, I need some support here. 
I mean, I feel like I had multiple of those moments where I was like, oh, this is bad. Like I am, I am just miserable. And I mean, part of it was when my son was, it was around napping, basically. Oh, sleep schedule. I'm getting sweaty. You're even saying that. I know, Naps. I know. It was around napping and like he wouldn't nap and like, and but we would like, we were doing the sleep training thing. And so we would always stick to this thing. And I was the one who was home during naps and he would like be in his crib and like rejecting the nap. And you, according to like the thing I was following, I would leave him in there for an hour. That was his nap time. And he could scream for the whole hour if he wanted, but that was his nap time. And I live in this teeny little Berkeley bungalow and I'd be down the hall, like 10 feet away in my room crying in like a fetal position while, and he'd be in his room crying, you know, it was just like, it was brutal. And it lasted forever is what it felt like. And I just feel like that was like a big part of my misery, misery, I think for a while. And also my husband definitely said to me like once or twice, like you need to get help. Like Mm. this is not sustainable. So yeah, there were, there were, I feel like there were multiple moments where we were (laughs) like, this is not working. This is not working out. (laughs) You are miserable. You want to kill everyone all the time. Yeah. You know, it's so tricky because I think sleep was definitely one of mine. I'm listening to you. I mean, I, my husband recently woke up one of our children. They are teenagers. Yeah. And he woke one of them up like in the morning at 10 a.m. And I was like, what are you doing? You don't ever wake up anyone who's sleeping. And yeah. it was this throwback to those days exactly where when someone was napping, I was like, everything stops. Don't even, don't even look at anyone else in this house. This oh is my just... Gosh. Silence. So it just makes me feel so seen to know I wasn't the only nut job out there. Oh no. And you know, and as and no, you're not, you're not a nut job. And I'm also now I'm like looking in the book trying to find it. But also I remember I wrote about sleep. Like sleep is this like huge thing that we don't talk about. And like there was a study where like and like some huge amount of mothers who felt anger also either felt like they were getting poor sleep or felt like their children were getting poor sleep. And there was like a direct correlation between how you feel about your sleep and how angry you are. <laughs> that is incredible and not surprising to me. I know. You say that, but, but I wouldn't necessarily put them together, but it's so true. And also all the conversations around sleep, at least when mine were little, were basically just totally fear-based. Like if your kid doesn't sleep they're never going to make it in the real world. So you might as well just accept it. (laughs) I was like, well, this is horrible because this child does not want to nap. So doom. Yes. And, and the sleep thing, at least for me, went on for like eight years because then I was dealing with like with bedwetting and like, and my husband and I would wake up. We would set an alarm and wake up at three in the morning to carry these yes. heavy children out of bed and to the bat. Like the sleep thing was a mess forever, like oh. almost a decade. Will you think about that? Like I think back to college when I would just sleep constantly and then, yeah, you're right. For about 10 years, it's like, well, that's just not a thing that's happening for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing I love is that there's so much to connect on here because the mom rage. I think the thing that you talk about the most and the thing I appreciate most about this book is that shame is so paralyzing and it is so counterproductive to our goals in general, because the less we talk about something like rage, the less we're inclined to see it as a systemic problem and need to fix it. So was that something you went into it? I mean, you talk about it a lot in here, which I appreciate, but how did you approach that? 
how did you approach trying to, I guess, lessen the shame as you went? Like, did you have, did you have a system for how that was going to go? Or was it just, I'm going to lay it all out, all out on the table and share all these stories and hope that that's the cumulative effect? Yeah. I mean, I think the goal of the book, like above all else for me is to provide moms with relief and to Mm. make them feel less shame. Like more than anything, like I would love for the book to like be a cultural shifting book. Like, you know, I have have big dreams for it, (laughs) but like on like a basic level, that is my goal. And, and I feel like the way that we feel less shame is when someone else shares something that we're ashamed about. And then we go, oh, I can also share that thing. Like, I feel like that is how shame undoes itself is when mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not actually the worst because you do that too. And I think you're great. Yes. You know? And yes. And I was feeling that, you know, and the moms who were writing me, those, those emails were feeling that. And so it had already started happening. Okay. And I also think that it's one of the ways to help rage is because if it's in this like tiny shame corner and we don't talk about it, then it just lives there. And we don't actually deal with the rage. We don't think about the rage. We don't talk about the rage. We don't work with the rage. Like we can't actually access it in any way. And so breaking the shame down is both like a liberatory thing for me. And also it's a way to to move to the next step. I think that is beautiful. I love hearing you describe that because it really is so life-giving. I'm a huge Mr. Rogers fan. It's what I watched when I was little. And Uh he says, what's mentionable is manageable. Right. And that feels so true to that, where it's just like, hey, if we can talk about this, then that's the beginning of getting to the other side of it. And you said it also, seeing a person outside of yourself, you would never talk to them that way about it. Exactly. And so how do we kind of fact check our own internal dialogue? And the shame is so big. Like I have talked to multiple women who are grandmothers at this point and they talk to me about my book and then they tell me their rage story that they remember from when they were 30 years old. And then they say, I've never talked about that before. I've never told anyone that story before. They have been, but they remember every detail. They have been holding it for 50 years. You know what I mean? Like the shame around mom rage is really huge. Yes. And what a gift to your point earlier. It is a very hopeful moment. Like the fact that you and I are talking like this and those women held on to those stories for that long. I mean, where was the opportunity to talk through some of that. So I think we're very lucky to be in a moment where people are starting to talk about it. So that makes sense. Plus we all need more naps is what I'm hearing (laughs) or maybe night nurses. I just, I, there's, right. Oh yes. That's a better idea. Let's go for more. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for you now, do you have moments of rage? How do you deal with them? Or is that something that has been eased for you? I do still have moments of rage. I think that they often get sort of aborted before they get really bad. And part of that, I think, is that I'm more aware of it. My whole entire family, including my children, are more aware of it. Like, sometimes, like, I feel like, you know, my son and I, we have this like very special relationship. And also, we are just like, we're a little frictiony me and him like it is always going to be something with us Mm -hmm. in this and like and also like 
I think I have like the most tenderest spot in my heart for, for this child. Like we're like, there's something, he's my first kid, you know, I don't know what it is. And sometimes we'll be like getting into it and he'll be like, we just need to stop. We just need to take a break. Interesting. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. We need to take a break. What a gift you're giving to him. I mean, I hope so. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like everyone in the house is just like more aware of it. And I don't know. I think, I, I think we are all better at, at managing it in a way. Yeah. Myself included. Absolutely. I mean, you're keeping your side of the street clean, but I think it's so healthy because I remember somebody telling me years ago, like, oh, I lost it with my kids. And I said, and it was a pretty, you know, middle of the road reaction. They were mad. They shouted, you know, I don't remember all the details, but I do remember saying to her, I said, you know what? I think that's okay. Like, our kids need to know that their actions have an impact for us. I mean, that we are people too. So this idea of the mother as the long-suffering, eternally, you know, magnanimous and just, I can absorb all of your emotions. Like, that's not, that's not fair to anyone. It's not fair to them either because it sets them up for this future. So right, yeah, I think there's a lot of health there. I thank you. I agree. And it has always bugged me when I've talked to moms who won't like share if they dislike a certain activity or something with their children because they don't want to teach their children not to like it. And I'm just oh. like, you're allowed to have an opinion. They're still going to like that. I just feel like everything has taught us not to be people. And that feels bad to me. I'm just like, we get to be people. We get to have likes and dislikes and needs and all yes. the things, emotions. Yes. Did you post the other day about the Barbie movie? Is, was that on yours about the, we stand still so our daughters can go ahead? I did. I po- it was, it was about an article that was in HuffPost. I didn't write it, oh. but so I reposted that, that article, which okay. I loved, but, but that particular line in Barbie about moms stand still so that daughters can see how far they've come was like the only line in the movie. Like my heart stopped when she said that. And I was like, oh no, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah. No, that was, I was looking at some of your social media and just seeing a lot of that. And it's so, or, you know, that, that messaging. And I loved that you posted that to kind of call that out because we do, we just forget like there can be this very beautiful sentiment. And of course we sacrifice for our children because we sacrifice for people we love, Yeah, but we should love ourselves too. So that kind of balance. Well, I just think that's so valuable. I have some, I have two questions for you. Number one. So we talked about your hope for the book, that this is going to be part of a societal conversation and shift. And I couldn't agree more that you are perfectly positioned. And so is this book for that. So I think that's (laughs) wonderful. What are your other hopes for the book's entrance into the world? I would really, I mean, in my like real fantasy of fantasies is that moms read the book. It feels impactful and important and they see themselves in it and that they give it to their partners to read. Yes. Like, even though I wrote it for moms, like moms are my audience in this book, but in my fantasy, fathers are reading this book oh. so that they can understand the experience of the mothers that they love. That makes complete sense. If it's a mirror for women, that this book could be a window for their partners. Yes, because I think that mom marriage is very hard to explain. It's very hard to like 
to make it something that doesn't feel terrible between partners. Like, and I just, I would love for them to be able to be like, I can't explain this to you. I can't make you understand it. Here it is. Like, this is it. I need you to read this. Yes. I really love that. I will leave it on my husband's pillow tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'll really appreciate that. With a little sticky note with a heart. (laughs) Love you. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) L-U-V. That'll be perfect. Okay. My final question for you. Tell me what is, when you think about being a mom and the ways that that has changed you, what is your favorite way that you've been changed by being a mom? Oh, wow. My favorite. I mean, I think that I, I I feel like there's more than one. It's very hard to whittle that down to one. Can I give you you two? Yeah, I would love to. Yes. Okay. One of them I think would just be how into my kids I am, like how into what they have to say is and like, just like being obsessed with like two new people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and like wanting to see their drawings and like hear what happened at school and like all of the things, like it just like, it feels fun to like, I don't know, to have my heart be so involved mm. uh, in two people. New what people. a gift. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's fun, you know, yeah. even though like so much of the labor part of motherhood, I don't find all that fun, but like actually just having these two little humans who just like, I think are the great, you know, is I really, that has been really fun for me. And then I think from a professional standpoint, I mean, what would I write about? (laughs) (laughs) Like they give me everything in terms of like the pain, the joy. Like, I feel like I have so much energy from motherhood to put into creative practice. Mm. that feels very exciting. And, and I, and I, and I, and I like it as, as a circle, like I have all this stuff that I'm living and then I have, I use writing to sort of like process it. Yes. And then I come back better, hopefully to them because I have processed it through the writing. I love hearing that. That is just what a beautiful way to put it. You're exactly right. Thank you for being here today. This was a joy. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we got to talk about mom rage. I can't wait for it to be out in the world. And I wish that all its dreams and your dreams are just going to come true. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be, I think it's a powerful book and a valuable book. So congratulations and all the best wishes to it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.